0: Continuing our series called, I Want to Know What Love Is, and today, once again, we return to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we're going to read what the Holy Spirit led Paul to write to that church back then, but is the same words that we need to hear today. And here's what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, will you show us today that love really is the greatest virtue will you show us what it means to love and will you empower us to love that we would fulfill the law of christ that we would love our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we would love our neighbors as ourselves. So work in each one of us today, wherever we may be, whatever's going on in our lives, whatever trial or difficulty we may be facing, that we would fix our eyes on Jesus. And we would see him as the beautiful one that he really is. And we would be transformed in our belief, in our attitudes, in our actions, and in our words. For your glory, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the one true and living God, and for our good and for the good of those around us. Amen. There's one thing that I've learned as a uh, pastor. at least in preparing for sermons, is that language can be complicated. Does anybody know what I mean when I say language can be complicated? Did you know that many English words are what uh, academics call polysemantic? Polysemantic. Now, you can impress your friends with big, fancy words today. Polysemantic means words that have multiple meanings. And in English, we have many, many words that have multiple meanings. Take, for example, the word bear, B-E-A-R. As a noun, a bear can mean a big, hairy mammal like this guy, he's waving to all of you, big, cuddly bear that he is. But it can also mean this bear, like, you know, he's a little different than the first one, oh, and it can also mean this bear, He's a little different. And then there's also this bear, which is the way I see bears, all bears. Bears are evil. No, not not really, not really. But the word bear can also mean, and I I learned this this week, that a gruff, burly, clumsy, bad-mannered, or rude person. If you say, that man's a bear... That's what you mean, a gruff, burly, clumsy, bad-mannered, or rude person. That's a lot of different adjectives to use about a person, but apparently that's what it can mean. And there's also, when you're talking about the stock market, the word bear can mean that it's a bad stock, stock market, that things are going down, right? It's a bear market as opposed to a bull market. And then as a verb, it gets really crazy. I mean, really crazy. Because bear can mean to give birth to, to move, to carry, to tolerate, to produce, to give, to suffer, to support, to exhibit, to endure, to spread, to possess, to hold up under, to be fit for, and to have and to use. All of that, all of those definitions are the for the word bear, if you look it up in a dictionary. Crazy, right? And so... With a little fear and trembling, I'm here to preach to you today the phrase, love bears all things. Love bears all things. And just, just as I showed you um, that phrase, that the word bear can mean all kinds of different things, this phrase could mean all kinds of different things. But first of all, let's just see, it really is right there in the text, verse 7, love bears all things. So you know I'm not making this up. This is right there in the text. The question is, what does it mean? I'm going to get all greeky on you for just a moment. So the phrase is actually uh, "panta stige. and "panta" can mean all things or it can mean always. And so if you're looking at different translations, you'll see sometimes that it's translated as something all things or something always. Could go either way. Stege could mean to cover, it could mean to protect, it could mean to bear, it could mean to endure, etc. And it goes on and on and on and on. And I will tell you, I went down a rabbit hole on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of this week trying to figure out what does Paul mean when he uses the word stege, to bear. What does he mean by it? And rather than explain all of the different things that I came up with and why I landed where I am, which would probably take at least 10 to 15 minutes, and I know you have no patience for that, so I'm going to just jump in there. I'm going to cut to the chase and get to what I think Paul is getting at. And if you have any questions and you'd like to know further, I'd be happy to explain how I got here. I think what Paul is trying to get across is basically this. Love is willing to deal with all kinds of difficulties for the sake of the one loved. I think that's what the Holy Spirit was leading Paul to write when he says love bears all things. Love is willing to deal with. We might even say put up with, but put up with has a negative connotation to deal with all kinds of difficulties for the sake of the one loved. And that's what I'm going to be talking about today, how when we love someone, we are willing to deal with a lot. But first of all, let's go to the problem that we all have. Um, So I was talking with Nathan this week about this passage And he's not here today because he is preaching for a church in Muzon who they they have just uh, let their pastor go and so he's trying to help them out. That's why he's not here today, just so you'll know. Uh, But anyway, we were talking and he he told me that he had a friend that had three JCs in his life. Jesus Christ, John Calvin, and Johnny Cash. (laughs) Today I'm going to be talking about John Calvin, and mainly Jesus, Johnny Cash is only going to get a a mention, and that was it. But we are going to look at this quote from Calvin, who shows us the problem that we all have, and this is from his commentary on 1 Corinthians, where he says, we are by nature too devoted to ourselves. And this vice makes us irritable and complaining. Can I hear an amen on that one? Yeah, we are. We are irritable and complaining because we are devoted too much to ourselves. The result of this is that everyone wants other people to carry them on their shoulders while refusing to assist them in any way. The remedy for this disease is love. Which causes us to be subject to one another and teaches us to lend our shoulders to their burdens. I think Calvin, without without going into lots of detail, Calvin really captures what Paul is trying to say in this verse when he says, "Love bears all things," because it's not about us being irritable or complaining. It's not about us uh, wanting people to carry us on their shoulders while refusing to assist them in any way, and the love that we show when we bear with one another is that we are subject to one another. We lend our shoulders to one another's burdens, and we do it in a way that is not irritable or complaining. He he nails it here. And so How do we break this down so that we can all kind of leave here with at least something in our minds of this is what it means to bear, uh, that love bears all things? Well, there are at least three ways, three ways that love deals with various difficulties in other people. And the first is right off the heels of what Calvin just said. Love is willing to help carry the burdens Of others. If you love someone, you are at least willing to help carry the burden of another person. Now, notice in all of these phrases, willing is going to be in there. And part of the reason, and I'm just going to say this right up front, part of the reason we're saying willing is because there are times when all of us, we may be willing to do something, but we are unable. And we, we don't need to, like, put heavy burdens on each other's shoulders that you always have to do something yourself when it may be someone else's responsibility to do that because you're unable. Like, if you are in your sick bed and you can't even get out of bed, you can't help carry the burden of someone physically. Now, you could by praying, perhaps, but you you may not be able to do it physically, right? So we have to make room for those kinds of things. But overall, love is willing to help carry the burdens of others. And we see Paul talk about this in Galatians 6, verse 2, where he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. When we bear one another's burdens, when we care for one another and help carry those burdens for one another, we are fulfilling the law of Christ. And what is the law of Christ? It's to love. That's what Jesus says. You sum up everything. Love God, love neighbor. That's the law of Christ. And so when we bear one another's burdens, we're not only loving that person, we're loving God because we're treating that person made in His image in a way that shows I value you because you're made in the image of God. One more thing I do want to say about bearing one another's burdens, and and this goes back to my last point, there's sometimes where we're unable to do this. We, as Americans, we are so individualistic that when we read the scriptures, we tend to think this is about me, period. And we don't think about the big picture of the church. We don't think about the the fullness of the church. And so when Paul writes, bear one another's burdens, it's not like he's looking at one of you and saying, you have to bear everybody's burdens in this entire building. It's not what he's saying. He's saying, collectively, you as a community, as a group of people brought together by Jesus, you are to bear one another's burdens. And that means that sometimes you guys have to help me bear the burden of bearing, bearing the burden of someone else. Does that make sense? Sometimes I have to help you bear the burden of bearing the burden of someone else. There's a beautiful picture of this in the Old Testament where Moses is standing on top of a mountain. And the the Israelites are, they're trying to fight another, uh, some enemies of theirs. And as long as Moses is holding up his arms like this, the Israelites win. But as soon as he lets his arms down, they start to lose. I mean, think about it. How long can you hold your hands up like this? For some of us, not long. So if you're seeing a battle raging in front of you, and you, it's all on you to hold your hands up, that's a lot of pressure. So what happens? A guy on one side and a guy on another side grab Moses' arms, and they hold them up. Because Moses couldn't do it all by himself. And one person couldn't help Moses all by himself. They had two, one on one side and one on the other, holding up the arms so the Israelites will win. That's what it means for us to bear one another's burdens together. Not just one individual, all of us together, diving in to help one another out. And may I say, Westminster, you guys... this so well, so many of the times. So I'm not saying this like it's not something you you don't know. This is something you already know. Let's continue to fan in the flame something that I think the Spirit has already worked in us. Let's continue to see it grow and see more of this love that is willing to carry the burdens of others being played out in our lives. So that's the first one. The first of three ways that love deals with various difficulties. Love is willing to carry or help carry the burdens of others. Second, and this is an important one, love is willing to wisely tolerate the offenses of others with kindness, gentleness, and patience. Let me say that again. There's a lot in this sentence. Love is willing to wisely tolerate the offenses of others with kindness, gentleness, and patience. We are a society that is offended by almost everything. Have you felt that? Have you been canceled by someone? Because you said or did something that was offensive? Now, I'm not saying that there aren't offensive things. There are. And, And those offensive things ought to be dealt with. But I think we've gone off the rails with our being offended by so many things. Love puts us back on the rails. Because what love will do is say, hey, there are some things you need to tolerate. There are some things that you need to just deal with. Now, I know the word tolerance has a nasty taste in some of your mouths. And so I do want to explain why I'm using that term. Let's first of all say we can be tolerant in ways that are not good for others. If someone is hurting themselves and we're tolerant of that, that's not a good thing. But let's also notice that we can be intolerant when we should not be. And that also is not a good thing. That's where this word wisely comes in. And I know I split it in an infinitive, but you'll just have to forgive me for this one. Love is willing to wisely tolerate. Sometimes wisdom says you cannot tolerate this. Sometimes wisdom says you have to tolerate this. How do we know? That's where the wisdom comes in. We need to ask the Holy Spirit, give me wisdom to know. Is this something I need to tolerate or is this something I don't need to tolerate? Sometimes it's hard to know. I think Rosaria Butterfield, even though she doesn't use the word tolerance in her books, she makes a great point when she distinguishes between acceptance and approval. I can accept you as a person made in the image of God, struggling with the things of life, and I can love you and care for you without approving of what you do. You see what I'm saying? Now, for some people, they think, no, if you don't approve of what I'm doing, you can't really accept me. But that's not truth. I know that some of you don't approve Of the music I listen to. I hear things. (laughs) I can't believe our pastor listens to heavy metal music. What kind of pastor listens to that kind of music? Okay? You don't approve of that music, but what do you do? You have accepted me as a person, you've accepted me as your pastor. That's what I'm trying to get across. You can accept someone as a person without agreeing with them. That is legitimately what tolerance is all about in the first place. It is, I know where you stand. I stand somewhere else. I'm not going to bug you about it, but you know that we're in a different place. I'm going to tolerate that. I'm going to be patient with you. That's what tolerance was really meant to be. Not you have to accept everything, but that you know there's a difference and you're willing to still love me anyway. That's really what it's all about. And you know what? This is a scriptural idea. Proverbs 19.11 says, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. There are times when we need to overlook when someone has offended us. When, we've done, when they've done something and we're like, oh, that's so offensive, we need to overlook it. There are times when it is to our glory, it is for our good and their good to overlook an offense. Or 1 Peter 4, 8, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins you know we we have a a class that's on marriage the gospel and your marriage and every week there are great things that are being said in that class just very encouraging very helpful to bring us back to what helps a marriage be a good godly marriage focusing on Jesus. And one of those things that we always have to remind ourselves is we're all going to sin. Every single one. We're all going to do bad stuff. Every one of us. Whether it's our words or our attitudes or our actions, all of us are going to say, think, and do things that are going to be offensive to other people. That's just life in a fallen world. Are we going to call each other out on every single one of those things? Let me give you a story to illustrate this. When I was in college, uh, I had a friend named Julian who had a problem with, he, he, with his words. And I won't go into the details of what his problem was. But he would say things and he would go, oh, I shouldn't have said that. And so he knew what I was like back then. But you guys don't. You guys don't know what I was like back then. But what I was like back then was I was that guy who I went, if I saw something wrong, I called him out for everybody. In fact, when Don and I were first married, there were times where I would hear someone behind us talking about something, and they were saying something wrong, and she would grab my arm and say, don't. (laughs) Because she knew I was going to try to correct them. The Lord's done a lot of work there. Well, anyway, back to Julian. (laughs) He asked me for help. He said, will you help me with this? And I said, I got this, Julian. I got it. And you know what I did? Every single time he said the words he wasn't supposed to say, I called him out on it. Every single time. And you know what his reaction was? It was not good. Oh, the first few times he said, Thank you, I appreciate it. Thank you, thank you. But after a while, he started saying, Dude, what are you doing? And I said, I'm just doing what you asked me to do. You asked me to keep you accountable about this thing. I'm keeping you accountable. He's like, There's no grace. He was right. There's no grace. And there's no love where there's no grace. Yes, there are times where we have to call each other out, but love covers a multitude of sins. There are times where the best and loving thing is to patiently bear with rather than point out. Where do I get that from? Ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 through 3. And listen to the way Paul explains this. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you, the church, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. You want to walk in a manner that's worthy of what God has given you in Christ? Here's how you do it. With all humility. And gentleness. With patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So here's what I'm going to try to explain, and I hope I'm going to be able to make say this in a, an articulate way. Some of us are more bent towards correcting this verse, this passage really needs to help us balance. Some of us are not good at correcting and we accept everything. And we need to get better at being able to say that's wrong. But the goal is to walk worthy in a manner of the calling to which we've been called and we do that with humility, We do that with gentleness. We do that with patience. We bear with one another in love. And we are eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. If you go through this list and you say, I'm not doing these things, that is not godly correction. Just saying. That's that's not me. That's Holy Spirit. All right, so that's... The second one of the things that we've been talking about, there are at least three ways love deals with various difficulties. The first one is love is willing to help carry the burdens of others. Second, love is willing to wisely tolerate the offenses of others with kindness, gentleness, and patience. And then third, and this is the one that nobody likes, (laughs) love is willing to suffer for others. You want to bear all things, you're going to suffer. Dostoevsky says in his notes from underground, to love is to suffer, and there can be no love otherwise. C.S. Lewis makes the same point in his book, The Four Loves, when he says, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything, and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The alternative to tragedy, or at least to the risk of tragedy, is damnation. The only place outside heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers and perturbations of love is hell. That's powerful. Love will hurt you. but that's the nature of love in a fallen world. Love anyone, and you're likely to get hurt. Ask any couple that's been married for longer than five minutes, and they can tell you that. Ask any friendship that's lasted longer for just a little while, and they can tell you that. When you love someone, you're going to get hurt, and you're going to hurt them. Love suffers. And that's what it means to bear with one another, to bear all things. We're going to suffer some because we're not in glory. We're not in heaven. We are in a fallen world. And we have to recognize that and live according to that truth. We have not arrived yet. And so love is going to hurt us. But I want you to see that all of the things that we've talked about today, every single one of them, of how love bears all things, Jesus demonstrates this kind of love perfectly. There is no one else who can show this kind of love the way Jesus can. He demonstrates the love uh, that bears all things perfectly. Listen to the passage in 1 Peter 2, 21-24, which we read today as a confession of faith. Here's what Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you. Love suffers, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. He was bearing with people, right? When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. He was bearing our burden, right? that we may die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds. You have been healed. Look, you're having trouble loving someone in a bearing with kind of way? Think about Jesus. Think about how he has been patient with you. Think about how he has tolerated your mess, my mess. Not that he's let it go. Oh, he, he, he did not tolerate it in the way of accepting it. No, he tolerated it in the way of suffering for us, for our good, by taking those sins on himself at the cross. Like the hymn we're going to sing at the end of this service that is so beautiful, my sins, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sins not in part, but the whole. Nailed to the cross, and I bear them no more. Why? Because Jesus bore them. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. This is the good news that Jesus bears with us. He bears the burden of our sin and is willing to suffer for us so that we would not only know His love, but that we would grow in his love. Isn't that the kind of love you want to show people? If you're in Christ, the Holy Spirit is already moving in you and saying, yes. Yes, I do. I want to love in a way that bears all things. Let me tell you, you're not going to be able to do it on your own. And that's your action point. Ask the Holy Spirit for the kind of love that is willing to bear all things. You cannot pull yourself up by your bearing all things bootstraps and love people well. You got to just say, Holy Spirit, I know that my love does not bear all things, I know I don't tolerate things wisely. I know I don't bear the burdens of other people. I know that I don't suffer well for other people. Give me the kind of love that Jesus has for me... ...that I can give that love to others. And the Holy Spirit will work in you... ...to bring that love about. He will. Because He wants that for you more than you want it for yourself. And so, by the work of the Spirit... Let's pursue growth in this Christ-like, bearing-all-things love. And I'm going to pray for us that we'll be able to do that. Holy Spirit, grow us in the kind of love that is willing to bear all things because Jesus has borne all things for us. And even as we partake in this meal together, this supper, the Lord's Supper, use it to strengthen our faith and to increase our love for you and for one another and for people outside of this room that love really would abound in us and that we really would be your disciples indeed, Jesus. Amen.